Sheets was pretty legit. The great thing about Sheets, and I just, yes, I just hit record because we were sitting here having this conversation. We said this would be great <laughs> content. Sure. So this is we're going to it. be a, a an odd opening to the show. So I'm here with Colin. Uh, our special guest tonight is going to be Brandon Sanders. Brandon, I'm going to give you a better introduction when we get to the cram session here. Sounds great. I promise. Let's just talk about Choco Tacos and the sort. So the conversation started, guys, um, and we are going to to be the face of this movement. They they have they are getting rid of Choco Tacos again for the second time in like a five year span. There is literally nobody in the world asking for there to be no Choco Tacos. I don't understand where this is coming from. Guys, let's just hear your opinion. I want to kick it over to you, Brandon, since you're our guest on here first. What what are they doing? No more Choco Tacos for us. I'm going to go to the store and hoard them. I think we should. We should get those old school chess coolers, the freezers that you used to put meat in in like the late 90s, right? <laughs> and we should just go find one that's still in working condition, maybe get it for like 100 bucks, right? We just put it into a uh, storage container that has power outlet. And we just have to pay for the rent for there and store the rest of the Choco Tacos. Then when recession hits, we double the price and then we sell off the Choco Tacos. Oh, but we have to have so our you're own saying allowance this of Choco a, Tacos. You're saying this is a business opportunity. This is a business opportunity to bring hmm. back the Choco Taco. Uh, there, what was it? Just like if we would have got Pepsi Clear and hoarded that for a while. Of course, you can't sell that after a certain amount of time, regardless of if you freeze it or not. But say if we had Pepsi Clear still to this day and it's not sold, you know how much we sell Pepsi Clear for? People sell it on like Amazon, just the casing for like ridiculous amount of money. So yes, this could be a business opportunity to hmm. own the Choco Taco space. I would have a hard time getting rid of the Choco Tacos. I love Choco Tacos. <laughs> we I catch ball in like Choco double tacos. fist. You know how they, they say <laughs> double you know, fish Choco Taco hashtag. They say don't get high on your own supply, but I would absolutely <laughs> run through those straight packs. <laughs> This is this is bad news. So yes, guys, join us. I've already tweeted about it tonight. Please join us. Uh, Cam Hayward tweeted about it. So oh, hashtag oh. favorite stealer always has been lifetime. There stealer. you go. Okay. Um, yeah, Cam, Cam Hayward, you're my guy. We'll get him on the pod and we can talk uh, Choco Talk. Cam Hayward, you are always welcome on the podcast. Yes, Kirk Howard Street. We'll have to just wait. Sorry, Kirk. <laughs> and, and, although Kirk, if you want to start hyping the Choco Talk, maybe we'll have you on too. Finally, that could be his foot in the door. It's about Glad time we... that Kirk Herbstreit caught a break. Yeah, I've always said this. I took a spot last week, so I apologize, Kirk. <laughs> Poor guy keeps taking a back seat. All right, are we ready to kick this thing off? I we think go for so. it. Okay, okay. Um, well, welcome to Campus Life, guys. The college half of our podcast here at Campus to Canton. Uh, as always, I'm Austin back from vacation, and this is Colin. We are joined by very special guest tonight, Brandon Sanders, as we said earlier, at CFF University. Brandon is doing the 10K tour because he just hit 10,000 followers on Twitter. So congrats to you, buddy. Uh, you've been all over the fantasy space here for years, been uh, really heavy into the CFF uh, the past couple years, uh, part of our CFF team. We previewed you're going to be doing a, a, a weekly show during the season with some prize pick stuff. Um, so you're just, you're doing everything right now. You, you just finished up the, the, uh, the future freshman pod. Uh, how's it going, man? Thank you for hopping on here tonight and for advocating for Choco Tacos as every good man should. I'm doing well. Uh, a Choco Taco, it keeps the doctor away. So eat it up. <laughs> that's probably not true. Don't take my word. Honestly, the I doctor, the dentist, no. We, we are we are not medical not, experts on this show. Just neg yeah, negative on that. However, I do go to the gym so I can sweat it off. How, but you know, Choco a day keeps the the happiness in bay. We'll go with that. Yeah, there we go. Uh, but I'm doing fantastic, guys. Uh, thank you for the kind words. Uh, 10K is ridiculous. It still blows my mind every single time that I think about it. It's been a you know cool journey since 2014. Joining the fantasy footballers crew. You know, going all the way here. Spending time. So I've been a you know. Hyping up some uh, NFL fantasy football with the Broncos, uh, telling the NFL side about Campus to Canton when I told them what C2C actually meant on that podcast. It blew their minds. Uh, so, But uh, they now know what Fantrax is. They now know how to have two separate leagues, and they know where to find us on the website. So that was cool. Uh, tomorrow I'm going to be on a CFL show. I was telling these guys off air, like uh, all of the CFF guys that we love from the past, such as like a Jamie Newman or a Keen Butler, they're playing in the CFL nowadays. So I'll be able to – 
uh, help talk to the guys about these guys they've never heard of from American college because they're used to their Canadian college and the Canadian football league. So it'll be cool to shed some light there and uh, convert some of those fantasy points into the CFL fantasy points that they have. So that'll be fun. But it's been a it's been a, a wild ride, and I'm I'm enjoying the uh, the tour so to speak, and uh, I'm looking forward to. Uh, having some quick time off before we move to the new bet on C2C podcast. So everyone tune into that. It's going to be in week zero. I'm still trying to debate between launching it on a Wednesday or Friday. Uh, I think as we get closer to the match in life, uh, hitting on Wednesdays, we'll probably start doing Wednesday morning. So that's kind of what the process is, but I'm definitely excited for it. Uh, lots of content to come. So keep, uh, keep your eyes and ears locked on the C2C feed. Love it. Love it. Um, and for anybody that's not aware, um, that podcast is going to be available to anybody. We're going to have a ton more betting and DFS content available to NIL members only. Yes. Um, might have a bit of a promotion coming out here in the next few weeks. Possibly, I would stay tuned for that if you're if you're looking for uh, um, some different college DFS, college betting, uh, prize picks, etc. Content. Um, it's conference kickoff time, guys. Um, Colin, thank you so much for holding down the fort last week while I was away on vacation. Uh, thank welcome. you to Barnabas and to Dwight, who both came on, did the uh, previewed the uh, Big Ten, Big Twelve, respectively. Uh, your Homer Fest with Barnabas was a little um, <laughs> a little gross, but um, I, I made it through uh, listening to that. Hey, he flipped the script on me there. He he asked me questions about Penn State. Yeah, that was, yeah, that, it was good. Um, <laughs> So tonight, guys, I mean, these, we're doing these in alphabetical order. We have to do Conference USA at some point. Like it, t- tonight's the night. It's going to be a short show. Buckle up. Uh, that's why I figured we'd throw some uh, some Choco Taco talk uh, at the beginning here. Uh, but before we hop into that, guys, we're doing our weekly cram sessions where we have a special guest on tonight. Of course, Brandon. We asked three simple questions. We're going to ask you, Brandon. One player you believe is going to help their stock the most this year, one player that you believe will hurt their stock the most this year, and then something bold, something bold about college football this year, some sort of spicy prediction. Uh, I know you were just on Debbie Debate last week, uh, and you probably got rid of almost all of your bold predictions on that show, but we're going back to the well one more time. So, Brandon, are you ready to roll? I am ready. I got one. Just specific for Conference USA for the bull prediction. Oh, so we'll tie it in with the episode. So let's let's do it. You want option one or question Let, one? Let's do it. Yeah, one player you think is going to help their stock the most this year. Take it away. So because Colin is here, I will do it right in front of him. The player I have the most stock up on is Mr. Mitchell Tinsley of Penn State University. I believe that he leads in both yards and touchdowns. I know that's a different opinion. Likewise, I said it on the prize pick special there on Chasing the Natty that I think Parker Washington goes under 1,000 yards. Not saying that he won't get touchdowns, but when it comes to yardage, I think Mitchell Tinsley does uh, come out as the alpha dog and the wide receiver one. So I think his stock has gone up exponentially, not saying that it didn't at Western Kentucky, but he's in a far bigger power conference. And I think this is going to help his stock rise. I'm seeing like a Sky Moore situation kind of take place. And so instead of staying at Western Michigan, I'm seeing someone that's got the tangibles to kind of be a second, third rounder. I don't think he's going to fall. Um, hopefully it's not going to be one of those guys we've seen from the past, like a Hakeem Butler or uh, Kelvin Harmons of the world that just kind of fell off there in the lower rounds. I feel that Mitchell Tinsley's stock is going to rise with a really great performance there at Penn State. So that would be my stock up. Hey, I hope so. I mean, yeah, I, I, for you, as long yeah. as we get a yeah, as, as long as we get somebody in, as an alpha in that room, I'm uh, I'll be happy with that. Um, can Can Sean Clifford produce uh, like an alpha? He did it with Jahan Dotson. Do you think uh, Tinsley can put up something in that realm this year, Brandon? Or, or if what he's are we a, thinking? if he's the true alpha, yes, I think he can. Now he's got a five star breathing down his neck, like uh, Jared said yesterday on the show on Chasing the Natty. So Clifford's running with a lot of pressure behind him. Price picks had him over 3,000 yards. I kind of LOL'd at that. No offense to Mr. Collin up there at the top. But uh, uh, I don't think he can. But even in 2,000 yards, if he does it, he has to give another 1,000 yards to somebody. So Parker Washington might, in fact, go over 1,000 yards, and I'm just dead wrong. But I don't think he can produce two strong alphas. I think one's going to be a lot bigger, like a Dotson over the other, and you're going to see a secondary role kind of take place. Me personally, I think it's Washington. It could be Tensley. We're going to find out, right? So, Yeah. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll find out pretty quick uh, when they open mm-hmm. up with Purdue. I think that's going to be a, a higher scoring game. So we'll I think we'll uh, we'll see that one right out the gate. Um, on the other side of here, though, what's one player you believe will hurt their stock the most this season? So I think Mr. Jacob Cowing, who transferred to Arizona, 
made a bit of a mistake. I think he, I'm, I'm don't get me wrong. It's Arizona. So I'm in like, we're all, you know, we're just talking there, but I think he left a wide receiver one role at UTEP, a very solid wide receiver role that especially in the CFF community. And I think he was getting some draft buzz. I think that's why he did transfer, but if he would have stayed there, his production was much higher. Whereas I think he now moves into a situation where he might actually be the wide receiver too. And it's all said and done with the emergence of Ted Torrey McMillan. I call him T-Mac, the freshman wide receiver uh, heading to Arizona, highly, uh, you know, sought after by Oregon, flipped the uh, commitment, went straight to Arizona. And he's been an absolute stud ever since. Great things come out of camp. You saw what he did in the spring game. I know not everyone was on the roster that was playing on that game, but it, it, I mean, you just look at what's there and you look at the opportunity. I still think Cowley eats. I just think that uh, he he kind of moves into what what we just talked about with Parker Washington, where we look at a secondary role in that offense. So I think stock down for Jacob Cowling, uh, at least this year. Brandon, while I have you here, I mean, you you are much more of a a CFF. Uh, minded person than I am. Um, Arizona offense this year, you know, mm-hmm. they've been bad in the past. They got, they got a new staff and a lot more talent. Uh, game script probably goes the passing offenses way. I would assume um, realistically kind of, what are you expecting for some of these other receivers this year? I know we're kind of going away from the, the script here for a minute, but you know, cowing Ted McMillan, um, you know, they've got some other guys there as well, like a Dorian Singer. I mean, a bunch of different, uh, decently talented guys. Yeah. Uh, when we had the episode, I believe it was with Moxley, when we talked about uh, the Arizona and what their roster looked like compared to T-Mac coming on, on there as well. I love Fafita as a possible guy that could take over Delore. He's he's smaller. He can't see over the offensive line as much, but he the guy has an incredible arm. If anything, he's a gunslinger, so that makes um, some interesting concept. I agree. I think they're going to be behind a lot. There's a, still a lot of games that there's going to be hard for them to win this year. I think they pick up a few more wins than what they were, and I think they're going to surprise and upset a few teams. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I still think it in the cars to where you could see some production up to three wide receivers at any given time. I wouldn't put out Rayshon Luke to be a good catching back as well. Uh, I love uh, Jonah Coleman as the guy that will emerge as the running back one uh, when it's all said and done this year, too. So I think all these freshmen are just going to find their place and they're just going to kind of form this new Arizona team. And then next year, you won't see as much production as their freshmen just because they had to really start over, if that makes sense. Someone's got to take the Berry Hill role, and that's where I think T-Mac's going to kind of come into play this year. Um, but I still think they're more balanced because they have all this new talent. It's just they're all freshmen. they got to learn the the different pace and what FBS has to offer. So it is a difference going into Division One football here in NCAA. So, But I still think uh, a really solid showing by all of them. You saw it in the uh, – top 50 that Nate uh, Marquise did there for the CFF guide. A lot of freshmen coming out of Arizona, and I bank on most of them to hit this year, if not next year, for sure. I do just have one bone to pick with you real quick. Um, do it. T- using the nickname T-Mac for anybody but Tracy McGrady is straight-up blasphemous. As someone that grew up <laughs> uh, watching him uh, when he was a younger guy with the, the Magic and, and the Raptors, uh, you can't do that. Please, well, please don't they're not that. using it anymore. Plus, T-Mac is related to, I believe, the stack houses, which is here in North Carolina. There's a lot of NC integration with Tracy McGrady. So I feel like if anyone uh, can give him the mantle of it, it would be me as a Tar Hills guy. I'm just yeah, convenient. Out of basketball. convenient. Very, very. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, moving away from the one NBA take I'll have on this podcast ever. Um, bold prediction, Bryn. Let's, let's hear it. Um, is it is this one that you did not drop on? You said it's conference USA specific, so not one from Debbie Debate last week. Yes, I made this one literally like three minutes ago before Ooh. I started talking. Those, so those are, are the you best ready? kind. Those are the best kind. Yes, I think that in conference USA, UAB will be the conference winner solely on the back of Mister McBride, the running back out of UAB, and UA. And we talked about it. Uh, Moxley's big on McBride. He might think that he might be the leader in CFF when it's all said and done in rushing this year. I kind of tend, and I told him, I was like, I don't want to tell a lot of people that, but I was already out there in the bag. So he was a guy that I was purposely not trying to hype as much so I could get him in drafts, but that's not working. So might as well just gush over Mr. McBride. I think McBride alone and that UAB offense, uh, you know, they got some tangibles. They got a decent enough quarterback. They got some decent wide receivers in there. Uh, there's a tight end there that I think is pretty sneaky, and I'll let you guys talk about that later in the show. But uh, there's some weapons that I think can can – propel UAB over a team such as UTSA who loaded up at running back like our favorite in Western Kentucky, which is the the fan favorite there as well. I think UAB can, um, you know, ground a lot of these teams and get it done on the ground as far as an offense to, to outbeat them. So that is my 
uh, my last bold prediction I could probably pull out of my hat uh, <laughs> and for probably another couple weeks. So. so did you see they released the Conference USA uh, like preseason awards today? I didn't. How'd it go? So the the prediction was uh, UTSA to finish first, mm-hmm. uh, UAB to finish second, oh, and uh, okay. WKU third, I believe. And I believe the only okay. two schools that received votes were UTSA and UAB. So, Interesting. Yeah, yes. I did not know that about UAB second. Yeah. I just thought it was a hot take because everyone thinks it's Western Kentucky and UTSA. Uh, yeah. What I thought, but maybe it's the QB, good, uh, you know, weirdness going on at Western Kentucky that maybe think or. I don't know. Light- That's weird to me. Yeah, lightning can't strike twice, according to uh, to the to the voters. So um, we're gonna find out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, Brandon, uh, thank you so much for coming on here tonight. Again, at CFF University on Twitter. Go add to his total count, guys. Let's get him over twenty thousand. There's there's the next uh, goal, and we the the tour that you went on for ten k. The tour that you go on for twenty is gonna be uh, uh, even crazier. So, Brandon, thank you again for hopping on here tonight um again glad you talked a little bit about uh, the show you have coming up some of the other things you're working on um do you have something dropping tomorrow by the way as well did i hear that funny you should say that i uh got a great chance to meet a three-star commit in the 2023 class mr uh, cj tiller who has committed to boise state uh kids got an incredible story a uh, shout out to mr luke Bosco, of course our unofficial interviewer that uh helps us get those lined up uh me and luke got to ask uh, cj some great questions has a great backstory of how he came over medical issues and now he's playing division one you know coming up pretty soon uh just you'll hear about his his technique and his smartness and the way he can lead a room and he's got great tangibles and he'll, he's telling you what he's working on this year as well so definitely want you to listen to it. it's over actually 30 minutes long so it's a great in-depth interview with cj tiller so definitely check that out i think uh next year we could see him as a big fish small pond so you'll probably be hearing from him again in future episodes of the future freshman podcast and i think that him and ash and genty have quite the future together at boise state they're on the blue turf so keep it locked uh, it's going to be dropping tomorrow morning so check it out it'll be fun you can say friend of the show <laughs> friend of the show you might hear him on some bumps down the road you never know awesome well thank you again brandon for coming on uh look forward to uh to hearing that interview tomorrow and to chat with you again in the future yep appreciate it guys see ya thank you have a good one all righty so cram session over with here colin uh some 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 praise for the penn state wide receiver room yeah yeah i mean i think it's a re- i think it is a good room um you know, obviously Ohio State's Ohio State's Maryland also very good room, but I think Penn State is a, a very underrated, sneaky room in the Big Ten, probably number three overall. Um, I like Parker Washington a lot, uh, and then you know I like Mitchell Tinsley too, the guy that Brandon was hyping up there. Um, KLS too, Kendra Lambert Smith. They got a couple other guys waiting in the wings. It's a it's a good time, you know. Yeah, yeah, Some good def- weapons. Definitely a deep group there. Um, Second best wide receiver core in Pennsylvania. All right, on to <laughs> Conference USA here. Um, yeah, like I said, this this is going to be a bit of a shorter show. Um, not like not that there's nothing in Conference USA, but some of these teams are just dreadful, man. Like we're uh, Middle Tennessee State. We're not. There's nobody on Middle Tennessee. Middle Tennessee State. I think I'm in a 28 teamer. I don't even know if anybody has like anybody from that team roster besides like maybe the quarterback just because quarterbacks are like it's such a premium uh like i just there is some bad fantasy rosters but there is some gold here as well that we're going to sift through a little bit uh to maybe talk about uh and i'll be honest for one or two of these teams i'm going to rely very heavily on our cff team and their cff guide because quite frankly uh, one or two of these position groups i'm just not that familiar with I mean, gun to my head, I probably couldn't name a single player on Middle Tennessee State without this guide. Oh, it was nice knowing you. All right. Let... <laughs> See, didn't you miss me last week, Colin, while I was gone? Oh, so much. Oh, yes. so much. I knew you would. I got so tan. I'm looking so good. Um, you spent a lot of time out in the sun by the lake? I did, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. On the boat? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, boat on the yacht. Swimming. On the yacht, you know it, yeah. up on that top, top deck. Yep. <laughs> it's pretty uh, close to the sun up there. Not surprised you uh, You got some nice tanning in. Yeah, yeah. I need to start making the Starsky and Hutch joke about the yacht a lot more often. People bring this up. <laughs> um, all right, so let's let's jump into CUSA here. Um, Charlotte is the first team 
uh, alphabetically here. Again, we are just doing all these alphabetically. We're going by position group. Um, quarterback, they, they are set mostly a quarterback. Chris Reynolds has been the guy there for a few years now. He is fairly sleeper-ish. Like, you don't, you don't feel good if he's your you know, QB1, your QB2, or even probably your QB3, unless it's a pretty deep league. But if he's like a guy that, you know, bye weeks creep up a little bit, somebody goes down with injury, you need to plug and play for a couple weeks, he's not a, a terrible option. Last year, uh, completed about 64% of his passes, uh, 2,700 yards, 26 touchdowns, nine interceptions, uh, about 200 yards on the ground as well. Like, he, he's an okay option. Uh, in, in a conference that isn't particularly strong defensively. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he would finish last year as the QB 32 uh, on a points per game basis, average 20 fantasy points per game, you know, right behind Seth Hennigan, um, just ahead of Emory Jones. So like you said, not a bad option, especially as he starts to get into conference USA play. Uh, I'm probably not starting him at all in the non-con. I mean, I haven't taken a look at what it is, but, you know, unless he's playing an FCS school, I'm probably not all that interested, but yeah, I mean, once he gets into Conference USA play, he could put up some really nice numbers for you. Yeah, they're, uh, they're out of conference actually isn't terrible this year. They do have Maryland and South Carolina, but they also get uh, uh, W&M. They get uh, all that FAUs in conference. Um, W&M, William & Mary? I think so. Okay. So, yeah, FCS. Yeah, yeah, William & Mary. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's not like the strongest uh, out of conference ever. Um yeah, I mean, I, we I think we talked about him a couple times last year as like a start during our yeah. end season. Um, you know, when we, when we play our start sit game, uh, his name definitely cropped up a couple times. So uh, you could definitely do with a lot worse options, and I think part of the reason is because their wide receiver group is actually fairly decent for a smaller school. You've got Grant Debose and you have Victor Tucker. Both of those guys are pretty solid receivers. There, um, I think they'll both probably be fantasy relevant i'm not sure i see myself probably rostering dubose more than i roster would roster tucker but i think they both will have their weeks if you're playing some sort of a deep best ball or something i think they should both probably be on a team right yeah absolutely i think that dubose probably the better bet of the group um you know he finished wide receiver 63 last year on a points per game basis so but he had some boom weeks um but yeah, I mean, I, and I think Victor Tucker can have some really nice weeks there as well, too. So, you know, it's not a it's, it's not a one or the other type of a deal, but you're probably going to want it more in best ball, I would think, you know. Yeah, and he had 62 catches last year, 892 yards and six touchdowns. And Tucker, 51, 639 and two. So uh, really not bad options there. Um, Shadrick Bird is their running back, and I kind of put him after the pass catchers here he's fine he, 600 yards rushing last year he had another three or 250 through the air a handful of touchdowns the problem with him is i don't know how much upside there is there and i feel like he's almost a race wasted roster spot even though you kind you kind of know what you're going to get week in and week out with him which is not going to be a, a you know a zero but it's probably not going to be a, a 30 spot either at any point yeah I, I i'm not all that interested in the running backs here i, I mean you know, they could have a couple decent weeks there, but, um, you know, last year their line play wasn't that great and they were upper third in the uh, neutral game script pass rate at, you know, their defense is going to be bad. So I, I think it's going to be more of a pass heavy team this year. So not overly interested in uh, the running back group. Yeah. And then nothing really interesting at tight end. Um, so, so we'll no. kick on from Charlotte there and believe it or not, Charlotte probably has a little more to talk about than like a third of the teams in the conference here. So. <laughs> um, uh, Florida Atlantic is next year on the list. Um, in Kosi Perry's their quarterback, a guy that's been around a while, pretty good rusher, really not a very good passer. And it's not like he has a lot to throw to anyway. I think he's a free agent in a lot of my leagues. And I think that's fair because again, he probably doesn't have like elite CFF upside and there is zero Debbie value here. I mean, maybe if you play in a league that like you, you have an XFL roster too or something, <laughs> I don't even know if he's good enough for that. Like he's just not, there's no pro potential here. He just is what he is at this point. Yeah. I like you, you summed it up. He is what he is at this point, you know, and he might not even really, provide that much in terms of fantasy production this year 
So I, I think he's probably not even rosterable unless it's your 28 teamer. Yeah, and I'm actually not even sure. I think he probably is rostered again. Like quarterbacks is such a premium. I I have I have uh, Paddock rostered in that league. The quarterback from Ball State, <laughs> Ball State. Like, so bad. He's like my QB four. I'm like I'm so fucked if anybody gets on track here. <laughs> um, running back Johnny Ford. Like again, another guy where I think he probably should be rostered, but it's not a guy that I want to pull the trigger on based on the the min max theory on a roster. He's just kind of a guy. Um, I don't know. I would just, do, would you have anything to add to that, Colin? Our, our CFF team doesn't think that highly of him either, uh, according to like their their overall rankings. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that in a lot of the supplemental drafts, like he he's been available in pretty much all of them. But in the supplementals that I was in, I would usually like watch list him and throw him in the queue. I never pulled the trigger on him, but I think he's at least watch list worthy. Um, you know, he could have some decent weeks and. He also, you know, he catches some passes too. So, you know, he could be okay for you, but I'm not quite at the point where I would roster him. Yeah. And he, he did just creep over a thousand total yards last year, I believe. So like, again, like not, not a total zero. Um, I'm not really going to highlight any pass catchers here. There's just no one that I think is worth a roster spot. Uh, if you're in a super, super, super deep league, um, then honestly, you probably should just be consulting like a CFF. Uh, you know, some sort of CFF source, whether it's us, whether it's the CFF site, whether it's, you know, fantasy points is doing like, I like just go to a CFF place that offers it because if you're that deep, then you're probably going to need that sort of assistance. Um, (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, no, there's not really much else to talk about here. Um, Florida international, the next guy, the next uh, uh, team up here. Um, New head coach, new offensive coordinator. I don't know what that's really going to mean for them here. Um, they do bring in uh, Gunnar Holmberg from Duke uh, at quarterback. Man, like I don't, I can't imagine a team being having like a plus <laughs> offense with Gunnar Holmberg as their quarterback. But you know, I, I've been wrong before. Yeah, I'm not really all that interested in Gunnar Holmberg as a actual like player himself, but you know, this is an entirely new coaching staff and they do bring in David Yost who has made stops at several like air raid places. Um, he was at Washington state with Mike Leach. He was an assistant coach there. Um, he was at Utah state. He was an offensive coordinator. He was at Texas tech for the past couple of years as the OC. So, you know, he was at Missouri for a couple of years there. So he's made the rounds, you know, it, I'm mildly interested um, in this team moving forward. If they can get, you know, some competent quarterback play, I don't know if Holmberg can supply that, Um, but it's just something, it's just an offense that I'm going to be keeping an eye on because I also think this is going to be a very bad team again this year. They were one and 11 last year. So there's probably going to be some pretty poor game script. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine that you're kind of shifting to running back here when you're referring to game script. And, you know, I I would have Devonta Price struggled to be fantasy relevant. He really wasn't most of the time. Like that's an NFL back that, that they had there. And they, they couldn't really get anything out of him because the line is so bad. The team is so bad. They get down so easily. Like it, it's a real uphill battle. So I don't even think like, our, the CFF team here predicts EJ Wilson to be their their lead running back. Um, Yost's running backs in the past, I do not believe, have performed particularly well. I don't even like he has like maybe one or one one thousand yard rusher, maybe two, like not a lot in like his 10, 15 years as a as an OC. So it's just not a position to to target. Really, the the guy that you want on this team is Tyrese Chambers. Had a pretty decent season last year. The thing about Chambers, like I, he's only going to be able to go as far as Gunnar Holmberg can go. But there will be, you know, game script there for him. Um, so Tyrese Chambers at wide receiver, probably the only guy from this team that I would even want to roster. And he's never really a a huge target of mine. Although I, you can certainly try to snag him late. Yeah, I think you can snag him late. And I took him in um, one of the CFF eliminators because um, that's best ball. I think he has some nice upside. I mean, despite how 
bad that team was last year. He did finish as the wide receiver 48, he finished right behind Javon Halai. So, you know, he can be productive with poor quarterback play. Um, you know, I, I'm not that I think Gunnar Holmberg is going to be that much better than what they had last year. But, you know, if they open it up a little bit, I think that he could potentially have some boom weeks. So in best ball, I'm more interested. It is just kind of a shame that he ended up sticking around because I know there's some people that like him and they like his talent. And I know he flirted with the transfer portal. Uh, and I think he probably could have provided better production elsewhere. Moving on to Louisiana Tech next on the list here. Um, in my opinion, there's really only one player on this ro- on, on this team that's worth rostering. I'm not even like clamoring over him. DeAnthony Gatson, the true freshman running back uh, going to uh, Louisiana Tech there. He had a lot of really big offers. He was one of the higher rated backs in all of the like G5 coming in this year. My thing with him is that I like everyone cites like he had offers from like USC and like SC, like I don't know how many of those offers were actually committable at the end. Like if I don't think he would have ended up at Louisiana Tech if, if they were. Um so I'm I, I'm not buying the he had lots of offers argument. When I watched him play, he's not a bad player, and he is the kind of guy that could probably do well at a lower level, but he's just not, in my opinion, that dynamic. But he should probably compete for touches early here. I don't know if he'll be the starter right away, but I think by the end of the year, that's certainly a possibility for him because they just don't have a lot else there, quite frankly. Yeah, that's he's probably the most talented player overall on their offense. Um, the big thing with him for me is – they bring in Sonny Cumbie from Texas Tech, who's a little bit more of an air raid guy and doesn't really use the running game all that much. So, I mean, he may be the best offensive skill player on their team, um, you know, when it's all said and done. But eh, it's 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 a guy worth at least watch listing, but I'm I'm not overly optimistic. Yeah, so I mean what are you going to do? Um, middle Tennessee. <laughs> that's it. That's, that's all there is to talk about here. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, well, I mean the, the CFF in our CFF guide, um, they did highlight, uh, Devonta Lee, who is an LSU transfer. Um, he's a wide receiver, tight end hybrid. So that's intriguing if he plays more wide receiver, but has tight end eligibility, but yeah, that's about it. And for what, like, they do have Smoke Harris, who last year is, like, low dot guy, 71 catches, 756 yards, six touchdowns. So, like, upside's probably capped. He's not a guy that I really want to target in a normal 12-team. Like, I would rather hitch my wagon to a guy like Dante Wright, for instance, at Colorado State, who's who's a forgotten guy there. Like, that offense is going to be very explosive. Is he the wide receiver one anymore? Probably not. He might not even be the wide receiver two, but I'd rather hitch my wagon to a guy that has a potential to step up into that spot than the guy who will lead a terrible room and a terrible offense at, at Louisiana Tech. But that's just my uh, opinion on that personally. Uh, Middle Tennessee's next, and we don't really have anything to talk about here. Um, our, our CFF crew does not have anything good to say about them. I've never, I haven't seen a single one of their players drafted in any sort of draft this year, except for, again, maybe that 2018 or Chase Cunningham, their quarterback got drafted. Um, it's a, it's a very, it's, it's not a good roster. It's not a good offense. I don't think we have to say much more than that. Well, the one thing I will say though, and it kind of blows my mind. Like I didn't really realize this is um, they were 38th last year in points in plays per game. They ran 70.7 plays per game and they threw at a fairly high at a high rate too. 56% neutral game script pass rate was 12th highest in the country. So with that two combo, like, I don't understand how they don't have any real viable fantasy options here. It is pretty impressive. It is. Probably the most impressive thing we'll talk about uh, here all, t- all, all day. Uh, and it's not positive. Um, North Texas is next. And North Texas is a sneaky offense and one that I actually do want to spend a few minutes talking about. Uh, and I think a lot of that's due to Grant Gunnell coming in from from Memphis, you know, formerly of Arizona, a guy that you know, our, our Matt Bruning really, really liked when he was at Arizona. Um, uh, headed over to Memphis, probably would have had that job if he hadn't gotten injured. Obviously, Seth Hennigan took over, and you can't 
take that job away from Hennigan after the year that he had there as a true freshman. So uh, Gunnell on the move again ends up uh, uh, down here at North Texas. Um, this is an offense that likes to throw the ball a lot. Grant Gunnell is a pretty decent passer. He's a lot. He's definitely a step up from Austin Ani. Um, so I think Gunnell is a sneaky guy to turn a lot of the these guys around, and I expect a decent season from him. Uh, in a conference, again, that is not very strong uh, defensively, collectively in the group. Yeah, I actually am very interested in Gannell and, um, you know, we'll get to with the receivers, but there's a lot of options I like in this passing game here. Like you said, I think Gannell would have probably started at Memphis had he not been hurt. Um, and now he comes into North Texas, which, you know, they're, they're a fast paced team. They finished first last year in plays per game, 79.5. I think they're going to throw the ball more this year. You know, it, he, all he has, all Gunnell has to do is unseat Austin Ani, who's like 28 or 29 years old because he played uh, baseball for a couple years. He's not a good quarterback. Um, so it would be hard for me to imagine Gunnell, a healthy Gunnell, not winning this job pretty easily. And I think he's the type of guy who can at least support some fantasy relevant options. Yeah, I, I, I don't see why he can't. We'll talk about his receiving options um, a little bit later, a group that that killed me a little bit last year. <laughs> uh, but I think yep. I'll be back. Um, running back is an interesting spot on this team, too. Um, Oscar Adway was supposed to be the guy last year and tore his ACL in fall camp. He's supposed to be back, and he'll be competing um, with uh, – is it, is it, is it, uh, okay. I'm just going to do it, Colin. I'm just going to do it. Do it. Is it Ika Ika? I mean, that's how I would have pronounced it, but I will we all apologize. Know my punctuation ability. So I will straight up apologize. I'm sure if I just butchered it, there will be 80 people in the discord tomorrow making fun of me. I don't mind being the butt of the joke for a day. Um, Nate no, will no more than that. Nate will absolutely reach out to you if you pronounce that wrong. It's a good point. He will. I hope um, so. Ragsdale, he's been kind of a, a popular, we're just going to call him Ragsdale from now on. Um, okay. He's like Prince. He's just one name. Um, he's gotten some hype this offseason, but I think Adaway is going to be like, I'm not sure if, if this means that either of these guys will be relevant or if they'll both kind of split these touches fairly evenly. And, you know, maybe a big week will come for one or the other, depending on uh, touchdowns. Yeah, I think this is probably going to be a little bit more of a split backfield than what we would hope, because I do think somebody could be productive in there if they could get the lion's share of the, of the work. But, you know, we'll see how that ends up playing out. I'm not currently rostering either of them. I'm, I'm watch listing Attaway, but that's really about it at this point. I have Attaway on a team from last year and I, I, I kept them. Um I figured, why not? Uh, there, there are worse offenses. Wide receiver. This is a deep wide receiver room. Um, and, and I think not a lot of people necessarily realize this. So they have Jair Shorter, who we all kind of thought would be the guy to step up last year, suffered an injury early in the year and, and really didn't play very much. Uh, I definitely thought he would lead that room. Uh, bigger kind of boundary guy, like 6'2-ish, 6'3-ish. Um, they have Roderick Burns there as well, who kind of stepped into the wide receiver one role last year and, and had a pretty decent season uh, for fantasy purposes, especially early in the year. Uh, uh, he was pretty dang good, finished the year, uh, 58 catches, 802 yards, four touchdowns. They also bring in Jay Macklin, who is related, yes, to Burt. No, he's related to <laughs> he's related nice. Jeremy Macklin, uh, who uh, drafted by the Eagles in the second round, had a couple good years there before weirdly just falling off the face of the planet. Um, but he, he transferred over from Mizzou, and he's not a bad player in his own right. I think it's going to be a really interesting three-man rotation, that wide receiver. And I expect, again, with Gunnell there in this offense, they want to throw it around. I think all three of them will have their weeks where they're decent. Yeah, I'm really hoping it's shorter that leads that room and steps up. You know, I was kind of banking on him last year at times too. And, it, you know, with him being hurt off and on and that off that passing offense being so miserable, he really let me down. Um, but hopefully back healthy, better passing offense, he can take the step forward that we thought we saw last year. And I'm hoping then that Burns, Macklin uh, kind of, 
you know, fight out for number two spot and shorter takes over the number one, but that's a little bit more of my hope, you know, because I have shorter in some places. I have them both. I, I picked up some burns early last year and I figured, you know, a, a lot of my sub drafts where I would have had to make a decision happened after the Ganell news. So I was like, well, you know, just as they pull me, <laughs> they pull me back in. Like, that, that's a really, really, really how I felt uh, with that. Um, the offensive just, line is also pretty good too. So yeah. just to toss that out there. So this, yeah. this could be a pretty good offense. Um, I'm not sure defensively, like how good they are, but this is a team that I think could surprise a little bit in conference USA, uh, and, and definitely win some games there next year. Yeah. Yeah. Given, you know, the offense that we talked about, and I think it can be fast paced. The passing offense will be better. They can catch some teams off guard. This isn't a super strong defensive conference. Um, but one other guy that I just, I, I, I noted him last year. I kind of just want to keep an eye on him again this year is, um, Caleb Johnson, he was a cornerback recruit. He was pretty highly thought of. He had offers of like Alabama and LSU. He wanted to play wide receiver, so he moved over to wide receiver. North Texas was really the only place that would offer him that. But this dude is blazing fast. 10, 5, 800 meter, um, extremely fast, ex- you know, extremely twitchy. So I don't know. He was redshirted last year. He played in one game. So I don't know what that role is going to be for him. But I don't he's think he's guy. on the team anymore. Oh, is he not? I don't think he's on. He's the listed team on their website. Is he? Maybe if it's on twenty twenty one. I only see him on the twenty twenty one roster. Oh, I am on twenty twenty one. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know what happened to him then. Then never mind. Ignore yeah, he's not on fan tracks anymore either. Uh, I don't think he's with the team. I don't know what's going on there. Um, All right, fair enough. So, yes. Um, sorry, I didn't want to cut you off in the middle of your. No, you're good. You know your 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 talk about him. Um, you're good. I'm not we'll one just... to cut cut people off when they're talking. So. No, never. We'll just we'll just pour one out for for Caleb Johnson. Yes, and then we'll uh, we'll move along here. Um, you know who else we can pour one out for? Rice. <laughs> um, not a not a good team. Um, I don't really know what to say here. Again, so this is going to be a team where we rely a little bit on our cff team and our cff guide chris wrote the the write-up for our guide he's talked a little bit about cedric patterson the wide receiver there who he thinks is probably going to step up into the leading role they have a couple other names there um the younger mccaffrey brother is there at wide receiver after giving quarterback the old college try and that not working anywhere um but really like i think you're unless you're in a really deep league you don't need to touch this roster if something happens, you can use a waiver pickup on them in the in, in season if you really want to do that. Yeah. I mean, I again, another roster where gun to my head, like I probably could have the oh, Cedric Patterson is the only person I probably could have named. And that's because I've heard Chris Moxley talk about him a couple of times. Um, Chris Moxley, smart dude. So, you know, I, I'll watch list him, but I'm still not that interested in uh in Rice's offense at all. You know who their offensive coordinator is, Colin? Uh, only because I have the uh, the sheet up here, the, the okay. CFF guide. Yeah. Marcus Tuiasasopo, who is a name that if you, you know, I've been an NFL fan for, for 10 or more years. If you're old enough to remember, you probably remember him uh, a little bit uh, in the yeah. NFL uh, and a former, um, does he play? He played Stanford, I believe. That I'm not sure. I just remember him from the NFL. Yeah. So, so he's just like an all name team. Yeah. Yeah. I think he, he got like the odd start here or there. Um, that's all we have to say on rice. Really. Our Ari Broussard's going to be the starting running back, but I don't know if they'll, they'll be prolific enough rushing to make that, uh, him relevant. Um, UAB, the subject of our bold, uh, prediction by our wonderful guest here this evening. Um, I think we have to probably start with Dwayne McBride here on this team, you know, Brandon talked a little bit about him, about potentially, you know, being a, a candidate to lead the NCAA in rushing. I don't know if I'd go that far, but he definitely, he started off last year slow, but it was a very difficult schedule. He played pretty well against Georgia, a, a team that really he had no business playing well against with how good defensively they were and how, you know, not great UAB was. Um, he's probably like the one guy, if you maybe pick one on this roster, that's not that bold that I would want to, to roster. Anybody else here I could give or take. But McBride, if he, if he can put together a whole season like he did down the stretch last year, this is a guy that I think could be pretty good. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, McBride is legitimately a guy that I think you can target and want to start on most weeks. Again, he struggled to start the year, and I haven't looked at their non-con yet this year, but he could struggle to start the year again. But as long as you're patient, wait for him to get into Conference USA play. I think that's you know when you'll want to put McBride in as probably like an every week starter. His only problem is he really doesn't catch passes. He caught like True. fewer than five passes last year, and they did kind of split that roll up a little bit. Um, but I mean, like they 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 split those carries hard, and then down the stretch they kind of gave him the bulk. So um, you know, I, I I'm hopeful that that the staff uh, continues to kind of give him the ball. Jermaine Brown's the other guy; he's kind of a receiving back, so that you know a little bit of thunder and lightning there. Um, Trey Shropshire is the other guy, a wide receiver who a lot of people like. And I think, you know, this offense will, I mean, they, they want to run the ball, but I think they'll, they'll throw the ball a little bit as well. Um, and he's going to be like the, the guy there, there's not a lot else going on here outside of a, a little bit of a sleeper pick at tight end. Yeah. And, you know, tight end was kind of the focal point of the passing game last year with Garrett Prince. You know, he finished with the really nice years for CFF, um, for a tight end. Uh, finishes a tight end 10, 36 catches, 699 yards, 10 touchdowns. I don't think we're going to see that exact production replicated from the tight end position. So that's going to be more available for Shropshire at wide receiver. So there's some intrigue there, but not a guy that I'm really rostering anywhere. No, I mean, yeah. And Terrell McDonald, I mean that, you know, whatever I, that they're kind of wait and see guys. And I, I'm not sure if I'm wasting a spot, a, a roster spot on Shropshire. Although I think, you know, you could obviously do a lot. You could have Cedric Patterson. Um, so I think you could do worse than that. <laughs> um, UTEP, the minors, uh, picks up. Uh, Won us some money last year. Yes. Covered the spread almost every week. They're great guys down there at UTEP in El Paso. Um not a lot here that we like they're calling Gavin Hardison pretty efficient last year, but not a guy that I really want to plug and play most weeks. Hankins was supposed to be the running back last year. He got a little dinged up at times. And now it seems like this year might be a, a bit of a, a share in the backfield, which makes Hankins a lot less appealing. So I actually, I think I dropped him one or two places this off season uh, to make some room for supplemental drafts. Like just not a guy, not, not an offense that I'm really targeting, especially with, uh, losing Jacob Cowling there. Yeah, I'm not really targeting anybody in this offense. The one thing I will say that's interesting about Hankins is he does have running back and wide receiver eligibility on fan tracks. So you're probably not going to want to play him at either spot, but that at least makes him a little bit more intriguing. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's really all I have to say about that. We'll go over to UTSA, the Roadrunners. <laughs> Um, had a really, really, really good year, uh, undefeated through the first 11 games, you know, probably the best season in school history. They were ranked. Um, Frank Harris is a guy that you don't really hear talked about a lot. And he's kind of, you know, he was, he what was a QB 17 last year. He was, yep. he, he did a pretty good year. I took him in one or two spots. He's just never like that sexy name that I really want to, uh, to go after a quarterback, but you could do a lot worse as a, you know, third or fourth quarterback on your roster. Yeah, he's absolutely a guy that you can start on weeks, um, especially if you're in a pinch, you know, and, and you're not going to feel bad about it. He isn't a guy that I often find myself taking because I'm not usually taking quarterbacks there where he typically tends to go. I usually have my QB room solidified by then. But yeah, I think he's a solid option there. He's going to be fine for you again. And, you know, I think that's all there is to say about Frank. It's actually funny. It depends on the the room that you're drafting with. If you're buying with a bunch of guys that have more of a CFF background, he goes reasonably early in drafts. But if you're with a group that you know hasn't played C2C before or has more of a Debbie background, he goes really, really, really late. Um, and that, that's a pretty big divide between the two groups. Yes. Um, Ty Edwards, we thought was going to be the guy, and we were talking a lot about him, about probably stepping into that sincere McCormick role. McCormick had a great year last year. And then Traylon Smith decided to transfer in there from Arkansas. Um, and that has made this backfield a lot murkier than we initially thought. I'm interested to see if they give the job to one guy or the other, or if they kind of switch the backs backs up a little bit. Like I, I don't know if I can read into them 
running a lot of sincere McCormick last year, just because he was like clearly the best guy on the team. I, I really don't know how to read the situation. Yeah, this is a, a definitely a murky situation here. I mean, first of all, pour one out for anybody who drafted Ty Edwards before Traylon Smith transferred in because Traylon Smith transferred what we thought to was the TCU at first, you know, and that kind of muddied that backfield up a little bit more, but you know, he has to go ruin another backfield and go into UTSA. And I really don't know how this one is going to shake out. I think Traylon Smith is probably the most talented back in that room overall, but it does seem like it's probably going to be a little bit more of a committee and, that's going to make it frustrating to own either of them. Yeah, frustrating is a great word for it. Uh, it it's going to be very annoying all year long. Um, Zachary Franklin, a wide receiver, is actually a pretty good player, though. Uh, and so is Joshua Cephas. Like that one-two punch for a smaller school and a, a smaller conference like CUSA, that's a pretty decent crew all around. So Harris, the duo of Edward Smith and then Franklin Cephas, like that's an offense that I think could repeat again for the conference title. And obviously, as we discussed earlier, the whoever votes for the preseason awards thinks so as well. They, they are picked to win the conference. Yeah, I think, you know, maybe we don't see them go undefeated through the first 11 games again, but I do think they're a pretty strong pick to win the conference again based on the strength of their offense. And, you know, another thing that we haven't mentioned yet, but they returned four or five offensive or four or five starters on the offensive line too. So this is an experienced team. This is a deep team. They return a lot of production. Yes, they lose McCormick, but I think the combination of Edwards and Smith can replicate most of that production. Um, this is uh, this is going to be an interesting team to watch all year. Yeah, I, I'm excited to watch them again. I thought maybe, you know, the the gang would not get back together, especially once Cowing left UTEP. I thought maybe Franklin would do the same because he's a pretty good receiver. Like, I don't yeah. think they're that dissimilar, and they haven't been for CFF purposes in the past couple of years. But um, Franklin stayed put there. Um, last up here, Colin, and it's probably, like, the offense that everyone wants to talk about the most here, Western Kentucky. Now, granted, they do lose a lot. They lose uh, – Stearns is gone. Tinsley went to Penn State. Uh, and of course, um, uh, Bailey Zappi onto the NFL drafted in the fourth round by the New England Patriots. But they've still got some weapons here, and obviously Kitley gone. But it's gonna it's gonna be the same offense, like same head coach. They they're promoting with from within, all that good stuff. Jarrett Dogie probably the starter at least from day one, coming over from West Virginia, a very unspectacular quarterback. But this offense doesn't necessarily need a spectacular quarterback to work from, from what it seems like to me. Yeah. I, I think this is more scheme than talent um, dependent. Like you said there, uh, not that Bailey Zappi isn't a, a talented quarterback. I mean, he got drafted in the NFL, you know, he's probably going to be a long-term backup, which is about as good as you can hope for a quarterback from Western Kentucky. Um, but I do think that this system isn't going to take that big of a step back. I mean, yes, you're not going to be able to predict the record-breaking year to happen again, but if we're looking at 75 to 80% of the offense from last year, there is a lot of production to go around. You're muted. Sorry, you froze. I had no idea what was oh. going on. Um yeah, I mean, why not? Uh, Corley, David, Davis are going to be the two guys there. I mean, I don't have any doubt about them. It's really were you the one talking about the percentage of of points to me? You were right. Yes, yes, that was me. So, do you um, want to talk? Do you want to talk about kind of you know just how bonkers Jared Stern's season was last year and what we can probably reasonably expect as kind of like a range of outcomes for uh, Malachi Corley, who's kind of taking his spot. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, Jared Stearns last year, 150 catches, 1,900 yards, 17 touchdowns, um, was just far and away the best receiver last year uh, in CFF. I mean, he averaged 31 fantasy points per game, um, which was four more fantasy points per game than Jahan, or than Jordan Addison, and was seven more fantasy points per game than number three, Jahan Dotson. 
So just an absolutely absurd year. Um, if we get 75% of that production for Malachi Corley, who is the one who's presumed to be stepping into that slot role, 75% of Jared Stearns last year makes him still the wide receiver three for Corley. If we get 50% of that production from last year from Jared Stearns for Corley this year, he's still like right around wide receiver 20. It's like wide receiver 20, wide receiver 21. So I have moved Malachi Corley way up my board. He's also listed as a sophomore. So he's got two more years. Three more years. I mean, yes, probably, three more. Yeah. After this year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this off, like it doesn't really matter who the quarterback is. Like they'll produce something. So yeah. whether it's, you know, that for a, a, a point stop season, it was Darius Ocean's the next guy up. Uh, for part of this offseason, it was Austin Reed is the next guy up. And I think that one's a tough one for me to accept just because he's coming up from like a, a really he's not. He, is he FCS or was he um, uh, D2? Austin, Reed. he's coming. It's definitely a lower level. Yeah, it's definitely a lower level. I don't I think it was D2, but I'm not really that familiar. It was it like Western Florida, I think. Yeah, not a uh, not a great. Uh, uh, yeah. situation overall there and and again daywood davis is definitely a guy that i've been targeting as well mm-hmm. um jalen hall the third guy there we thought highly of him at the beginning of the offseason he transferred over transferred over from western michigan but it sounds like it's going to be davis and corley with hall as the third option so um the last guy to talk about here and one of one of my favorite guys in this team i know uh we were in our our, our slack yesterday and someone was poo-pooing this but joshua simon i think he's going to have a really good year i mean he had that amazing first three quarters before he got injured last year uh, for the season. I think this offense can support a high scoring tight end. I think he can do it as long as he just stays healthy this year. And it doesn't seem like he has a huge track record of injury. Uh, it was more of a one-off thing. So I I'm expecting a big year out of Simon. Um, I think he has the potential to be the tight end one in fantasy this year. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with that. I think Simon is Going, is criminally underrated right now. The biggest concern is it's not injury because like you said, he doesn't really have a history of injury. He got hurt last year, three quarters into the three quarters into the first game and missed the entire rest of the year. The, the big concern is the lack of usage of the tight end traditionally in the Zach Kitley slash Ben Arbuckle offense. Um, but I also don't think they've had a player as talented as Simon. They lose their top two wide receivers from last year who vacate 3,200 yards and 31 touchdowns between the two. There is plenty of work for Josh Simon here. And they also split Josh Simon out wide at times before uh, the – Zach Kitley, Ben Arbuckle, Houston Baptist influx of 2021. So in 2020, he was split out wide. Yeah. So he can play out wide. He doesn't have to play in line. Um, he's like a big receiver. So I think there is a very, very nice ceiling for Simon. And I think also with a volume is going to give him a nice floor for the tight end position. Yeah. And he's, he's pretty, cheap right now i mean i have him in my top 10 c2c tight ends i, I have Same. had him rated really really high um i'm not sure what, what the hate is there i think the the acquisition cost isn't absurd either um that's it for the sunbelt guys um if you appreciated some of the nuggets that we were quoting from the cff guide uh consider going ahead and checking that out uh available over at campuscanton.com um $20 gets you that guide. Uh, if you are an NIL yearly member, you get that guide for free with your membership along with our full Debbie guide and our full freshman and supplemental guide. Um, so all, all of those uh, at your NIL yearly membership. Um, just go check out the site, guys. I mean, we've got a ton of stuff. We're really ramping up with the season approaching. Um, a ton of really good projects uh, that will be released. Uh, we'll be doing all sorts of in-season shows that we that we did last year and, and we really enjoyed doing. Um, and join the Discord if you haven't yet, guys. Um, we're doing a really fun 24-team startup right now. It's, it's 12 <laughs> NIL members versus 12 C2C staff. Um, and if you're an NIL member right now listening to this saying, how come I didn't hear about this? If you ain't in the Discord, 
that's where the magic is happening, folks. So go ahead, go over to Canvas Canton, join the Discord, uh, and all all sorts of different stuff we're talking on there. We're talking about recruiting. You know, really starting to build up this time of year. A lot of the top recruits are, are starting to commit. Um, we're talking, you know, injury stuff. You know, we, we've got some people that, you know, live next door to the, you know, whatever campus and they use their binoculars <laughs> and they can see who's on the, the workout bike. Like, we've got all these different people in there, guys. Definitely worth it. $2.99 a month gets you in there and gets you at the, the the base membership at the site. Um, anything else, Colin, to talk about here this evening? Is that going to take it home? It's, I took a week off and I just don't remember anything anymore. <laughs> um, I, if you're enjoying these conference preview series here, the conference kickoff series that we're doing, we're also, also doing them as articles in written format as well. Uh, so check those out over on the site. If you're... Uh, a fan of my written work, of which there is few. I did release my article last week uh, for that one. So that I was touching on the independence, uh, more along the lines of this CUSA kind of thing where there's not a ton to talk about. But there's some very intriguing players in there. Um, so check out those articles too. We're going to be dropping those you know, every couple of days uh, leading up to the season here. So keep checking the feed. Keep checking the, uh, the homepage there. That'll be front and center with that article series it'll connect you to all the other ones that we've done so far in case you've missed any yeah and check out the podcast as well if you guys are listening to this one and you aren't listening to some of the other ones on the feed definitely doing yourself a disservice until next time guys we will have another conference preview episode this is austin and this is colin and have a good one